you know, we've had counseling in our marriage, uh, into our marriage, not just premarital counseling. And we've done it, um, for an extended period of time, even Mm -hmm. for a little while. And I feel like ours, uh, you know, was definitely reactive. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have done some solo counseling that was more on the preventative side. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've done individual counseling, individual therapy that was on the, you know, preventative side and trying to, uh, you know, come to grips with different things. I mean, I've had counseling for, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, even as recent as when my mom passed away, you know, and just having to work through some of that. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ashley. A few years ago, we set off on a journey to start doing hard things that enrich our marriage, relationship with God, family, and our health. Along the way, we've met a lot of other people who are living intentional, countercultural lives and getting out of their comfort zones. And in each episode of the Uncommon People podcast, we'll discuss parts of our own journey or share inspiring stories from the journeys of others. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Uncommon People podcast. My name is Aaron. And I'm Ashley. And we're excited that you're joining us today for a uh, another episode of the podcast. We're recording at the risk of <laughs> power outages, yeah. uh, I- intense freezing. We haven't left our house in uh, since Saturday. Well, you got to leave a little bit today, but... Yeah, I left a little bit today and I told the lady, I was standing in line at Walgreens trying to buy for, trying to buy formula. And I told the lady that was in front of me that I had three small children and half the reason why I was leaving is because I was ready to get out of the house. So yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, we've been stuck here since uh, Saturday. It's not but common But stuck for us. is like... Stuck is, you know, it's not yeah. that bad. I mean, we're not like snowed in, but our driveway was icy. We couldn't get the car back in after you went. So I only ran into fun. the other car once. <laughs> yeah, I slid into my own car. Didn't do any damage, not even a scratch. But yeah. Um, anyway, so we're coming off of Valentine's Day mm-hmm. uh, just a couple days ago. Um, it was Sunday when everything, we canceled church on Sunday because the weather was already bad. So hopefully- We've, We celebrated just in time. We, we went out yeah, Friday night. We so. did on Friday night, got to go out. Um, but uh, maybe there's probably people uh, out there that have gotten engaged mm-hmm. on Valentine's Day. That happens sometimes or uh, maybe gotten into a serious relationship. And so today we're going to talk about things that you need to know- before you get married. Yeah. And I don't think that, that like, if you're already married, you should get out of the conversation right now. Cause I still think there's, you know, space for you to learn something right. from the things we're going to share. But that is kind of the audience we're specifically talking to. Although I think if someone told, said some of these things to us, like we would be like, Oh, that's right. That's a good reminder. Like I should, yeah, <laughs> I should remember that. Well, and the, I think the important thing is to note that we've over the last almost 12 years, learned these lessons not before we were married yeah so well basically the hard way (laughs) yeah i mean like not necessarily all of them but um but some of these things are things that we've learned so um yeah let's kick it off with probably the most obvious or should be the most obvious and basic 
uh, reason or thing that you need to know before you get married. Mm -hmm. The first one is that premarital counseling is not optional. In our opinion, it's not optional. Yeah. So, uh, you want to tell them about our premarital counseling? Yeah. So I don't, I I would say I (laughs) doing it, doing it, it not, not to take away from any of the premarital counseling we did, but I would maybe do it differently. Can we pre- preface by saying for those that don't know, we got married when we were 19. So we yeah. were just babies. I was 20. Yeah. You were 19. So we, we weren't really adult enough to have known. Maybe there was, you better, know, other, yeah. not better. Isn't really even the right word. Just another option that would have suited us better. So tell yeah. them what we did. So both of our parents are pastors and we grew up in a pastor's home. So, uh, we did premarital counseling with, my in-laws, Ashley's parents. And then like one conversation session kind of thing with my dad and my mom. And so, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was different. You know, you have the bias of, of parents, Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially on each side, especially like for, in the case of my in-laws, you know, their daughter is the one getting married. So, Uh, I don't know. It was just, I'm sure a different approach. There was probably a lot of bias involved. I Um, feel like I, as in some ways, I feel like the bias was toward, not necessarily toward Aaron, even whenever with my family, because I specifically remember my dad saying stuff that I, not that I was offended by, but like, I remember saying like, well, I'm not the kind of person that does such and such. And he, and I guess I had said that to him more times than he wanted me to. And he was like, stop saying you're not a particular kind of person. And I was like, okay, (laughs) you know, it was just, that kind of stuff was funny looking back at it. But like for anyone that it's not your parents, I think if your pastor regularly, like it's part of their regular ministry that they offer premarital counseling, you think that's enough, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like, I don't think that you necessarily have to go to a licensed professional counselor or like a therapist or whatever um, just to get the counseling. But I, you know, if if your pastor offers it, obviously they uh, offer a perspective that's centered around faith, which is good. Especially um, if they're going to continue to be your pastor, yeah. that helps. But hopefully they're also a person who's worked on their marriage, who's been married a long time, who has a lot of experience in various things and who can say things to you and in kind of truth and love and not, um, not have you shut off completely. Yeah. Uh, I feel like with our parents, it's, it's almost like, you know, they're, they've been telling us what to do our whole lives. So we kind of <laughs> roll our eyes at some of the things that they say, but, um, I don't want to say that, that it wasn't good, no, but I, I would have good. rather it, had it sufficed, but yeah, I would have, it would have probably been more comfortable and maybe, a, and maybe, um, hit a little harder, you maybe know, a as little far more as, productive. I think yeah. we did it cause we knew we needed to do it, but I don't know how much we really got out of it. Right. But we would have had to have gone to some other, like some professional counselor or something because neither one of us had necessarily had pastors in our lives that were, um, but anyway, pre premarital counseling is definitely a must. I feel like, like it, what do you talk about in premarital counseling real quick? What, what should you, what should people know to ask the counselor? Like, Hey, I want to do premarital counseling, but these are the things that I, I think it'd be important to talk about and make sure that that's what they cover. I think that some of those things are things that we'll discuss in other points, but, um, you know, expectations in general, just about the way you, you know, carry yourself. Um, especially if you're older and you're coming into a relationship with 
you know, kind of set in your ways. Mm. Uh, you know, people are getting married older and older now, 30s, you know, late yeah, 20s, yeah. 30s even. And so once you've lived on your own for 10 years, uh, you know, you you bring another person into it, there's going to be a lot of things that you just general living expectations that you have that are mm-hmm. going to maybe clash. Yeah. Um, faith probably at the top faith, of the list. Yeah. I think that it's important and this may not necessarily be with counseling, but I think it's important to talk about kids yeah. and like the expectation of kids. Uh, I have friends who like never talked about kids before they got married and they, and it's come up in conversation and it's like, well, you know, that's a big thing. If you are so set on not having kids and, and and you don't talk about it, then if the other person wants to have kids, you know, so the kids is definitely a big thing. Finances, finances, sex, I mean, everything in laws, the, yeah, the relation, how you're going to have, uh, you know, relationship with your families on holidays and things Mm. like that. I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot you can do. (laughs) So it's more than one session. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was what, like six weeks. And we so started with like a person. Yeah, I think it's about six weeks. Start yeah. with like a personality assessment and then go from there type thing. So we highly recommend premarital counseling. I don't think you should get married without doing premarital absolutely. counseling. And one session's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think yeah, absolutely. I think it's a must. Um the next thing that you should know and talk about before you get married is something that you can actually uh work out in premarital counseling, but it's kind of its own bullet point here, is your roles and like job career expectations those kind of things so like when we were dating and getting serious and talking about getting engaged um ashley made it known to me that she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom at least while the children while the kids were young like before school age we didn't talk about school very much homeschooling or public school or anything like that but I did know going into it, I did know that you wanted that she wanted to be a stay at home mom. And so, um, you know, you that's a that's a big task on, you know, if if it's a mom wanting to stay home or a dad wanting to stay home, whatever, whatever the case may be. That's a big task because the other person is going to be completely, de- you know, completely responsible for the finances mm-hmm. in most cases. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, generally speaking. Yeah. Maybe there's part-time income, you know, across the board, but, um, so that's a big, you know, that's a big expectation and a big, uh, thing to address. And so that's a good thing. Um, I think just career in general, you know, if, if you're, um, uh, if you're a, a female or a male, it doesn't matter. And you are very career driven and you like want to be involved in a career and you know that you're going to have to depend on putting kids in daycare or things like that. Um, you know, that's something Expensive. that's, yeah. <laughs> and then there's like household roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so not just the, like the finances and the employment and the job roles, but like the roles of what we're going to do around yeah. the house. Yeah, even around the house. I joked with Aaron whenever we were talking about this that like that expectations for this kind of stuff is huge because if like my expectation is that I never have to take out the trash and we talked about that in premarital counseling and that was the expectation we set, you know, you then you need to kind of do your job to live up to the expectation that you tell your spouse you're going to. Yeah. And uh, I'll just say from the outset that wasn't necessarily <laughs> a hard and firm expectation. But Uh, I mean, just all the way around. And I think one of the ways that we, one of the expectations that we had sorted out, especially because we got married when we were so young is school. 
Mm-hmm. We expected like, hey, I had already started school when we were in school. I mean, when we first got married. And so uh, right before we got married, actually. So I knew I was going to go all the way through college and you were going to have to work full time. Yeah. And then we would make it a priority for you to go to school and are having kids and stuff like that. So just being on the same page about what the roles are going to be, what the job may look like and what your ministry life is going to look like together. If yeah. you want to be involved in specific ministries, um, it helps to be on the same page about that. Aaron and I were raised in similar homes and then had similar goals and ambitions as far as what we wanted to do in ministry work. Like an example, if you want to, if you want to work at your local church, maybe you don't marry someone that wants to be a missionary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or if you want to be a missionary, yeah. don't marry someone that doesn't have any desire to be a missionary. Yeah. Hates travel, homebody. <laughs> yeah. And it's also important to, if you feel a call to ministry and you feel a call to that kind of role, um, whether it's vocational ministry or not, it's important to know that you're going to have someone that, um, um, what word am I looking for? Compliments. Oh that. yeah. So like if your desire is to be like a music minister or uh, a youth pastor or whatever the case may be, you want to make sure that you're on the same page with your spouse or, you know, before they're your spouse about things like showing up on time yeah, and uh, being at church all the time, no matter what, Mm -hmm. unless you're like sick or something, you know, I mean, obviously. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big thing too, as it pertains to roles in ministry. Um, You want someone that's going to compliment you, not just in the home and not just in your career, but also in your ministry life and have the same drive and dedication as you do, Um, you know? And know that Sunday mornings are going to be chaotic, especially when you <laughs> add kids. In. Yeah, because if there's not the sa- if you're not on the same page with that, that's going to be a really tense situation, and that's not the your ministry is not really the area of your life you want to deal with that kind of tension with your spouse. Yeah. So, be, being if you, if you want a you know long standing marriage and we're coming up on 12 years. Our parents were, you know, my parents were married before my mom passed away. I think 35, 34, 35 years, a couple years uh, longer. Yeah. Maybe 33, 33, 34, a couple years longer than I was old. Um, And so, uh, and then your parents are coming to 35, 35, 36. So um, yeah, we have a good history, but I think part of the part of, making that a reality is knowing that like our third point mm-hmm. here marriage is a full-time job it's a full-time job or or it's just a work you know we the culture has romanticized relationships and marriage so much and mm-hmm. i feel like the generation right behind us not that we weren't like disney kids but you know we just like got this idea that marriage was everything or a relationship would be everything and a person would just be perfect and sweep you off your feet and that would be the end of it and it would just be wonderful and unicorn and rainbows and happily ever after and it is so much more work than we anticipate and not anticipate and not a bad way necessarily work is not a bad thing and relationships mean so much more to us whenever we're willing to put work into them but if we just kind of glide along and let things unfold as they will, they will tend toward decline Mm -hmm. and, you know, relationships in your marriage is not, you know, isn't exempt from this require hard work and attention and dedication, or they just kind of flounder. Yeah. 
And it's really easy in difficult times to just, you know, society has given us outs, you know, um, with, through divorce and things like that. So mm. it's really easy to not put in the work. And that's one of the things that we talk about so often on this podcast is doing the hard things, doing the difficult things. And I mean, we're 12 years in and doing more work than we ever have probably. Um, and are going to continue to do work. We have to. And, uh, one of the things that I, I was thinking about was just how much we've changed as people from when we were 19 and 20 mm-hmm. to 31 and 32 almost, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm 30. Thank you. You'll be 31 <laughs> soon. 31 and, and I'm yet. 31. I'll be 32 <laughs> in a few weeks. So, I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, or even five years ago, we were totally yeah. different people. I mean, you definitely just changed. Five years. Yeah. And so, and that's, I feel like that's a common reason for, you know, people separating mm. is I changed, you know, yeah. you hear that, you see that on TV too, or like in movies, like yeah. oh, I've changed, I've, I'm different. I'm a different person. Well, duh. Yeah. Like you're 10 years more mature or 12 years more mature. So it's kind of like um, saying the same thing The like I fell out of love thing. It's like, well, you have to choose to do that every day. Like you have to choose yeah. love. I feel like love is a choice. I don't yeah. like Aaron every single day. I usually do, <laughs> but I, I just felt like those are similar ideas that we hear in culture of excuses that people make. Right. Yeah. You have to commit to your relationship and working on it regularly or yeah, you do. It is too much, you know, yeah. we'll, it's easy to find stuff we don't like about someone, especially when you live with them 24 seven. Yeah. And the parallel is everywhere. Like if you have a job that you fall out of, <laughs> fall out of, uh, not, I want to use the word love cause that's just what rolls off the tongue. But if you mm-hmm. fall out of interest in your job and you start doing a bad job, you will get fired Yeah, or you're going to find another job. And mm-hmm. so, and, and feel and, the same way about that one in and, five years and eventually feel the same yeah. way because you're not challenging yourself or pushing yourself to, uh, to better yourself in that situation. And so it's the same thing with marriage. It's full-time work and it requires work on both parts. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that has yeah. really good payout though, when you're willing to work on it. It does. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next one, and this one is probably the best one uh this was yours so <laughs> i'm gonna say it um is that you married or you will marry or you're thinking about marrying a sinner yeah a person who is a sinner that's a sobering thought mm-hmm. like i've I'd, i mean never really i had never really thought about it that way um I know you married a sinner. I didn't know <laughs> that I married a sinner, but I didn't think about it. You know, I haven't really thought about it that way, but it is true that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we do tend to put our romantic relationships on a pedestal mm-hmm. um, and in a sense demand perfection Yeah, when we know or we, we think we know whether we believe it or not, we mentally, we know it to be true that the only person that was ever perfect is Jesus. And, uh, and so there will be times where our significant others fail us, you know, whether or not it's, a a, you know, like a, a hurtful type of failure or just in general struggling with something, 
um, there will be times where that, you know, you have to cope with that. Mm -hmm. I think whenever early on in our relationship, I mean, like we've said, we were just, I was a teenager when I got married and had this idea. I had, you know, seen my parents be married for a long time. So I feel like I had a relatively healthy view of marriage, but I just thought that Aaron was perfect and perfect for, not that he didn't, wasn't human. He would mess up and stuff, but some ways like you just build this person up in your mind so much, whether it would have been Aaron or someone else, like you just, and you want to believe the best about them usually and create this idea of who you think they are. And then it's just a matter of time before you start to learn more accurately who each other, who we really are and that we aren't perfect and that we make mistakes and, you know, living together and growing a life together and growing a family together presents a whole bunch of different challenges that you're like, well, that's not how I expected you to do this or you to respond to this because especially when we're young, we made assumptions about what we thought the other person would be like. And it's like, you don't really know. You can't assume till you get there and then of course there's instances where like one of you will have a failure and then you realize on a bigger scheme wow neither of us are perfect at all either one and like one of us fails and it's embarrassing or challenging and the other one fail uh, the other one fails in just the judgment of it like you if your spouse fails you have to remember how much you need jesus too like none of us are perfect none of us are above um, needing him. And so just remembering that your, your spouse is a sinner too. And so are you. Absolutely. Um, I just don't know that you can value that enough in not holding your spouse. Like I'm definitely a perfectionist and I know that makes it hard for, can be hard for the people close that are close to me because I hold them to a standard. That's just like, okay, well, you're asking me to do something that I can't reach, like a, a standard I can't meet, whether it's my kids or Aaron or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so if you find that as part of your kind of default personality, you have to really work on that right? Um, and not, not holding your family to that standard and your spouse, yeah. future spouse. And I think that it's just so important to uh, realize, you know, if you realize going into it that there's going to be times where you either maybe you're hurt or, you know, by your spouse or just they make some choices that you disagree with uh, or let some things into their life, you know, that is is not, you know, is kind of contradictory to the word of God or whatever the case may be. I mean, we don't we don't even have to make them extreme examples. You know, yeah. it could be sin that seems small in comparison to other, you know, massive things. But if you realize that going into it, then you're going to be so much more equipped mentally to address it or to be okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and before we navigate away from that topic, I think that it's just so important. Some of the most intense grace that you can receive as an individual is from your spouse when you've done them, when you've done wrong or hurt them uh, or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, that, that grace, the grace that you feel from a spouse that's forgiven you is so much more than, you know, even from a parent or from a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a huge thing. So going into a, a relationship or a marriage, knowing that you've, you're marrying a sinner, uh, allows you to, 
prepare yourself for giving the grace that they will eventually need. And um, and one more thing before we go to the next one. We also have to remember that, you know, we know our spouse is going to mess up. They're not perfect. They're also not Jesus. Yeah. You can't expect your spouse to be everything, to be all things to you, to fill every com- every void in your life and complete your whole, everything about who you are. I think we just have this expect or this, we put that expectation on our spouse when we say stuff like there are everything. It's like, oh yeah. my word, that's a ton of pressure. That's a lot you of know, pressure. who should be yeah. your everything is Jesus because right. your spouse is going to fail. God's not going to fail you. And I'm not saying you need to use it as a perfective, uh, per, like a defense mechanism necessarily. I mean, and you should trust your spouse and you should learn to, you know, be vulnerable and open to them and all of those kinds of things. But really they aren't Jesus. Right. And so don't expect them to fill those voids in your life because they're not going to be able to, Um, which I think is disappointing in some ways, like, because especially as like for women, we hear like the whole, uh, our husband will complete us and everything will be just Mm -hmm. so wonderful. And it's like, Yes, they are great and wonderful and we will love them and they will be probably make the biggest impact on our lives out of anyone else. And, you know, all these different wonderful things, they're still not Jesus. They still can't be everything to us. They still won't fill every void. And to try to put the pressure on them to do it is just not fair. Yeah. 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 We're not Jerry Maguire. We can't complete. (laughs) We can't complete. Yeah. So we have premarital counseling as a must. Uh, role and job expectations are something that should be discussed. Marriage is a full-time job and you married a sinner. There's a couple more. Um, and then I want to ask you to engage with us on some of your things that you think people should know. Mm-hmm. So let's, um, let's use uh, before you marry hashtag, uh, but maybe the letter B, the number four, the letter U, and then marry. So before you marry. <laughs> okay before you marry um, and share your ideas with what you think uh, people should know before they're married. And um, yeah, follow us at Uncommon People Podcast uh, and share those with us on our next post. But the next one is that uh, it's better to use counseling as a preventative measure than a reactive measure. Mm -hmm. Um, This is important and it's not necessarily relating to premarital counseling, although premarital counseling would be considered a preventative measure if you're doing it, you know, before you're married. Uh, oh, because I'm sorry. By the way, premarital counseling, if it costs you money, it's still going to be less expensive than a divorce. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there should be no barrier to that. And that's the case for <laughs> any kind of counseling, yeah, any kind you're of right, marriage counseling. Right. So, um, you know, as things get difficult, as you start to uh, you know, come across things that are either points of contention or uh, some kind of failure, um, some kind of hurt or pain that you have to work through. Counseling is better as a preventative measure than a reactive. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've had counseling in our marriage, uh, into our marriage, not just premarital counseling. And we've done it um, for an extended period of time, even mm-hmm. for a little while. And I feel like ours, uh, you know, was definitely reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, we have done some solo counseling that was more on the preventative side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've done individual counseling, individual therapy that was on the, you know, preventative side and trying to uh, you know, come to grips with different things. I mean, I've had counseling for, 
you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, even as recent as when my mom passed away, you know, and just having to work through some of that. So, uh, there's, there's a way to use it as a reactive or or a preventative measure. And I feel like the moment that you see that something might be going, uh, the, the moment you realize there's an issue, um, or there, there could be an issue or the more, the moment that you are having trouble with communication, communication is a big thing that I feel like probably everyone needs counseling for because no one's going to communicate the same way. And so just getting, uh, in front of a counselor that can help you work through communication styles. I mean, that doesn't necessarily have to be the, the, uh, reacting to a problem, but it can help you um, establish more effective communication between you and your spouse. And so having it as a preventative measure where you're doing it uh, is better than doing it in crisis, even though in crisis, is it's yeah. absolutely necessary at times as well. Yeah. And the preventative counseling isn't so that you can go in and dig up something that you or your spouse needs to work on necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's almost like a checkup with your doctor. Yeah. In my opinion, um, yeah. and if you, especially if you aren't doing any solo count, like if you don't see someone for any personal help, I think that has helped even just solo counseling has been, has served as a preventative measure for us having to have marriage counseling, you know, counseling together mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. So, so counseling should not be taboo. Therapy mm-hmm. should not be taboo individually no. or as in a couple. And if you don't, know of a counselor, you should ask your church, um, you know, your pastor, your pastor, pastoral staff, they typically will probably have recommendations. But also if your church is adverse to counseling, mm-hmm. I mean, look outside. That's not, yeah, that's not biblical. <laughs> you know, that's, that's absolutely not, not biblical. It's not, uh, it's not right. I mean, I mean, they may do s- stuff in house, but sometimes it's nice to, be able to talk freely to someone that's not mm-hmm. going to see you at church or especially if you're leading worship or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So there's um, a, what is there? What's the verse that says um, there's safety and abundance of counselors, basically mm-hmm. wise yeah. counsel. There's lots of verses in Proverbs about that. So. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's one that we can't overemphasize. It's better to use counseling as preventative measure than a reactive measure. And the last one uh, is seems silly to say considering the conversation, but it's true. Marriage does not have to end in divorce. Right. Um, in 2019 in America, 14.9 out of 1,000 marriages ended in divorce, which uh, supposedly was down. Yes, way down. Um, but there's also, there's all, all these caveats to statistics. So I was listening to um, uh, the... Uh, and a YouTube personality. He's also a Christian rapper named Ruslan. He has a YouTube show and he, he was saying uh, that he did not know where the 50% of marriages in in divorce statistic came from. And like, he was trying to find it, trying to figure it out. And even when we did a a little search, like it doesn't seem like that's the case that the number is that high 14.9 out of a thousand ended in divorce in 2019. Now there's a few caveats. Marriage is less common now. Less people are getting married. People are getting married later. Um, And so, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of caveats to it, but the whole point is that marriage does not have to end in divorce. And it just goes back to all the points that we've already said. 
if you recognize that marriage is a full-time job, if you recognize that you married a sinner, if you recognize that counseling can be used uh, to help you through things, then it does it it doesn't have to end in divorce and divorce should not be your trigger response to any kind of difficulty or growing apart or falling out of love or (laughs) whatever the case may be. And if you think there's so when, when we are in a bad place in our relationship and we think of the things that could fix it, like another person is not the answer to that. I think sometimes like, we think, oh, well, if I had someone else, it would be different. It's like, no, there, anyone you're with is going to still be a human at the yeah. end of the, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, there's just not, there's, you made a covenant when you married your spouse. Mm-hmm. And so breaking it, I think, should be a way bigger deal than we make it. Yeah. If you, you should be in counseling, extended counseling and working hard, both parties, working toward forgiveness, working toward reconciliation, finding resources and, you know, doing everything you can, especially, especially if you have children in the picture yeah. to, uh, you know, make your marriage work because, you know, d- divorce just doesn't have to be an out. It's yeah. not, it's not an, it shouldn't even be an out. <laughs> right. There's, there's nothing as awesome in a relationship as having longevity, um, and just years, you know, where you, someone knows you better and better and better as the years go by. I think of it like, uh, when I talk to people in running about coaching and the longer you're with a coach, the better they understand you, the better they can help you, you know, run better, run faster, work out harder. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing in a relationship. The more years that go by, the better they're going to understand you when things are going wrong, uh, when you're having a bad day, when you're feeling depressed, when you're feeling anxious. uh, That person should be someone that knows you better than anyone and that that stands beside you through all those times. Yeah, the the butterfly puppy love stage lasts um, a minute compared to the, you know, the longevity part of the relationship. And, you know, 12 years is a little while. We've been together for a little while. And our relationship is way more enjoyable now and has so many more different like dynamics and um, just different facets that didn't exist when we were 19 and 20 years old. It's just way more interesting. Absolutely. Gonna, and and fun. I was going to say fun, but that's not the only word. That's not a very good yeah. word. <laughs> so the moral of this conversation is that marriage is fantastic, but there <laughs> are always things uh, that you should know before you step into that commitment, because it is a commitment not yeah. only with your spouse, but with God. And, uh, and it's definitely what he intended. He yes. intended marriage to be a good thing. And so uh, we hope this blesses you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Feel free to share it with anyone, wh- whether or not they're married or uh, getting married. If you know someone that's getting married, this is definitely a conversation that could benefit them. Um, but maybe you just want to listen to this with your spouse mm-hmm. and remind yourself of a few things. Or maybe there's some hard times that are going on that you realize, hey, there's some ways that we can work through this uh like we said at the beginning this doesn't have to apply to just engaged or single people um but we hope this blesses all of you so thank you so much please follow us on instagram at uncommon people podcast and uh, connect with us there and uh, use the hashtag to let us know what some of your 
thoughts are on things that people should know before they get married. Check us out on the YouTube. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're on YouTube. Uh, We'll link all of that in the show notes. So uh, connect with us online. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you all in the next episode. See you next week. Thank you.